This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. My name is Jeff Regan. I get ten a day in expenses from a detective bureau run by a guy named Lyon. Anthony J. Lyon. They call me the Lion's Eye. With Jack Webb as Jeff Regan investigator, stand by for hard-boiled action and mystery and thrilling adventure in tonight's story of The House by the Sea. This is the way it started. I walked in the office about 11 o'clock that morning. It was a nice warm day and I didn't have much on my mind. That's the trouble with nice days. You take a couple of easy breaths, open somebody's door, and it's just like peeling a wrapper off an atomic bomb. The lion was in his den, sitting behind his desk. He couldn't tell where he left off and the desk began. He was talking to a girl with a flock of black hair. She was the kind you see driving a Cadillac convertible down Sunset Boulevard on hot Sunday afternoons. No wonder the lion's cigar was out. It was wet on both ends. Well, well, come in, Regan, come in. I was just about to call you, but now that you're here, it makes things simpler. Miss Carmen, this is Mr. Regan. How do you do, Mr. Regan? Mr. Lyon tells me you're just the man I want. You said the same thing to a mortician last week. He is the man I want, Mr. Lyon. Well, well, that's fine, Miss Carbon. I knew you'd be pleased. I'm very proud of Jeffrey. As long as I'm in the cast, how about a look at the script, huh? Miss Carmen is associated with the famous psychic consultant, Prince Cairo. I help the prince look into people's minds. Well, that ought to be real fun if all your customers are under six. <laughs> you don't believe in thought transference, Mr. Regan. Do you? I said I help the prince. <clears throat> Prince Carew sent Miss Carmen to retain an operator, Jeffrey. It's a very delicate matter, and I'm placing the entire case in your hands. Why didn't he come himself? Do you disapprove of me? I just want to know what's what. Prince Carew never appears in public. He prefers to spend his time in meditation and thought. Yeah. I handle all of his outside contacts. So, Jeffrey, you just drive on out to Prince Carew's home in Ocean Town with Miss Carmen and speak to the prince. What kind of a retainer did he send? Uh, How much did you get? Now, see here, Regan, we don't discuss finances in front of clients. Oh, stop it, will you? This is another blind spot. You don't know what it's all about. All you know is she waltzed in here with a check, and you'd sell your grandmother to a glue factory for two bucks. How do I know I won't wind up being a patsy again? Is there any way I can reassure you? Buy me a battleship. Jeffrey, have I ever involved you in anything that I wouldn't undertake myself? Have I ever knowingly imperiled your life? Yeah. Jeffrey. Come on, lady. What's it all about? You work for the guy. Well, I really don't know. He was excited this morning, called me in, gave me this address, and told me to make arrangements. He must have told you something. He never tells me anything. As you say, I... I just work for him. Well? All right, I'm hired. Good, good. Now, call me, Jeffrey. Call me if you run into any trouble. Well, I asked her how about lunch... She said no. I asked her about dinner. She said something that meant no, so I gave up. You know, it's like that sometimes. The flag's up, the meter's ticking, and you're not getting anywhere. But from a couple of things she told me, I got the idea she was doing more than just helping the prince read minds. Well, his place turned out to be a good hour from downtown Los Angeles, up 101. It was a couple of stories of glass and concrete leaning out over the ocean. It was high and dry and quiet up there. 
And you got a feeling you should be hearing things and feeling things when you looked down and saw that water banging around the bottom of the cliff. She unlocked the door, and a guy in a white turban and some pants that looked like oversized diapers and a pair of tennis shoes was standing there. He had a big curved knife hanging around his waist, and he put his hand on it when he saw me. Right this way, Mr. Reader. Who's he, the butcher? Oh, that's Telly. He works for the prince. Manservant. He's from India. Yeah, I bet the Indians were glad to get rid of him. <laughs> Telly's harmless, tongueless, and he doesn't hear. I like you, Mr. Reader. Come in, come in. Ah, uh, Velma, my dear. You've returned with spoils. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Mr. Regan, this is Prince Carew. Regan? Ah, uh, the lion's eye. I've heard of you, Mr. Regan. I'm honored. Sit down. That'll be all, Velma. Charming girl. Hmm? She handled all your outside contacts? Most efficiently. Except, of course, for matters that I must handle personally. What kind of matters? I'm in trouble, Mr. Regan, and I beg your assistance. It's all paid for. Correct. But there's a personal bonus in this for you. Why? Because, sir, I want you to save my life. You look healthy to me. I am healthy, let me assure you. But my life has been threatened. Well, that'd come under police business, wouldn't it? Normally. Uh, didn't Miss Carmen explain that this was a delicate matter? Yeah, she did. Why didn't she call the police? <laughs> I'm hardly in a position to ask the police for assistance, Mr. Regan. It is a delicate matter. Outside, it says you're a mind reader, all right? What am I thinking now? That I'm a charlatan, a faker, and that I'm trying to hide something from you. That gets you the cigar. <laughs> it's been a very lucrative arrangement for the most part and very satisfactory. Except, of course, for the annoyance of having my life threatened. Who's the guy? It would be of no consequence if it were a man. It's a lady, Mr. Regan. A very beautiful and lovely creature. And she'd like nothing better than to see my carcass go out with the tide. Why does she want to kill you? Matter of confidence. Uh, suffice it to say that she is thoroughly capable of doing just that. How do you know? One, she is erratic, ill-tempered, ruthless. Two, she called me this morning and told me what she intended to do. She's giving you a chance to reach for your gun? To reach for you, Mr. Egan. What do you want me to do? I feel the entire matter could be settled amicably if you were to call on her. Inform her that you are my personal bodyguard and that you are here to protect my life. You think she'd go for that? I'm positive. How long have you been blackmailing her? What? Well, your racket might last six months or a year, but not long enough to pay for a place like this. The answer's blackmail, isn't it? Okay, okay, okay. I should have told you. How do you do it? I can slip him into a trance. They spell a family secret or two. I push a buck that way. That's nice. If you want the mines red, I read them. 25 bucks a parade. And shake down. The guy's got to eat. You put the squeeze on her. She's an actress. She was in on a deal at the studios. She wouldn't shake? At first, I just told her I had to have a larger fee. Then they come out with it. Cold turkey. And she said she'd blow your head off. Yeah, she's the kind. I went wrong on this one. I'm in a spot. Who is she? Grace Nichols, movie actress. Ever heard of her? Redhead. Makes you want to go home and kick your wife downstairs if you got one. That good? Better. But she means this business about pumping me. And I won't look good dead. All right, where she live? Over in the Palisades. Here's her address. Uh, you going over there now? Yeah. Be careful. She isn't gunning for me. That isn't what I mean. There's a skinny boy there. He's nasty. No callers. Name of Tim Rogers. I'll remember that. I hope you can talk her out of it. I've been sweating. 
I don't want to shake her, Don. I just want to get a little sleep at night. I left him sitting there, scratching his bald head under his turban. He looked about as happy as a guy who just ate a Vaseline sandwich. Well, Grace's place was too big for a marble game and too small for football. I think I remember reading something about how she got it from her third husband. There was a big wire fence all around it and a sign every 15 or 20 feet telling you not to trespass. So I parked my car outside the driveway and walked up to the front door. A guy in a chauffeur's uniform was standing there. He looked like a razor blade with arms. He gave me the fish eye and blew smoke in my face and kind of nudged me with his shoulder. Move on, Pilgrim. No handouts here. I came to see Grace Nichols. Yeah. I got business with her. Yeah. So tell her I'm here. Blow. You always like this or did you miss lunch today? I don't know who you are, Pilgrim, but I don't like you. Beat it. I know you. There's something about a guy in a lineup. Yeah? He memorizes real easy. Copper. Investigator. Private or city, I don't care. You all smell the same. This isn't hunting season. You always carry a thirty-eight. Does it show? Maybe you got a broken rib. A real funny guy. I met all kinds of funny guys. Drift. I said I wanted to see her. And I said she wasn't in. All right, I'll tell you once more. I got business with it. So do a couple of hundred other guys. Watchdog? Ah, you're getting smart. You weren't. Kind of a crack is that? I want to see her, I'm going to see her. Trick I learned a long time ago. Shoot a guy in the knee and he'll never walk straight again. You ever done it? Oh, yeah. That's how I learned. That's one I learned, baby. Well, I might have to get a new chauffeur. You looking for a job? I already got one, lady. Timmy's going to be awfully upset when he finds out what happened to him. When someone works for me, they have to be perfect. Want his job? They wouldn't let me in. I'll let you in. You, uh, do that kind of thing often? When I have to. I suppose you have a name. It's Regan. I'm a private investigator. All right, Mr. Regan, you've ruined a perfectly good chauffeur and bodyguard, and you're in my house. What have we got to talk about? A guy named Cairo. The prince? Must we talk about him? He thinks you're dangerous stuff. So do a lot of people. Tell me, Mr. Regan, what do you think? About what? Me. Right now or when I'm a couple of feet away? Right now. Look, remember, I just got here. I know. You must have a first name. What is it? Jeff. Oh, Jeff, we'll get along. He's in the card. Pretty fast deal. I like it this way. Fast. Might be a bum deck. Never mind. Deal. That's the bell. How much time between rounds? Well, you know me better. Hello? Yes. Yes, right here. You know a man named Lion, Jeff? Uh-huh. He seems to be roaring. Give it to me. Yeah. Regan, is that you? Well, now, how do you figure it? Now, don't be smart. Who's the name who answered the phone? Our client's friend. Sounds like she's a friend of yours now, or maybe you have been doing some road work. Did you have something to say, or is this the day you turned scoutmaster? I'm busy. Well, you can stop being busy, lover. It's all off. Don't tell me you're passing up a fee. I'm passing up nothing. Prince Carroll called me ten minutes ago and told me to forget the whole thing, and that's what I'm telling you. How'd you know I was here? The prince told me, so it's all over. Finished. Forget it. I've already started something. I don't care what you started. I just remember, you finish it on your own time and expense sheet. You look worried, Jeff. Anything I can do? I'm called off. You mean you're out of a job? I got one. 
Remember, you put my bodyguard out of commission. You owe me something. Well, Tim, boy, he'll come around. I don't want Tim anymore. I want you. Mm. <laughs> I'll get you a drink. We can talk about it. Carew told me that Tim was a pretty good boy. You can fill his shoes. Come here and get your drink. Tell me about 9 o'clock tonight. It'll get dark. I got a new dress. I think you'll like it. I probably would. The place above Malibu, we could have dinner and listen to some music. I want to be with you, Jeff. That deal's fast again. I don't care. I don't care. I just decided something, Jeff. I'm going to like being with you. I'm going to like it a lot. Well, she didn't want me to go, but I was thinking about the prints and the way everything looked. I told her I'd see her that night. I was just climbing into my car when Tim Rogers, her ex-number one boy, stepped out from the gate. I waited for him to walk over. You're pretty good with your women, Regan. You look lonely, Timmy. Somebody stole your popsicle? Bum joke, Regan. I've been waiting to talk to you. You were so quiet in the house, I didn't want to make any noise. Any better here? You came out champ this afternoon. But you won't even make the prelims next time. You got something to say? Stay away from her. You're shaking. You need a drink. Stay away from her, Regan. I've been with her too long. Known her too long to take the bounce from a two-bit gum heel. Mm, goodbye. I'm not finished yet. That's your version. Now get your foot off that running board, punk, or I'll take it with me. I left him standing in the middle of the driveway. If I'd have waited another minute, he'd have been crying. I stopped off and had some barbecued ribs at a drive-in out on Sunset. It was just getting dark when I got to my place. I had company. It was Velma Carmen, Prince Carew's right-hand man. She was sitting on the edge of my sofa. Her back was as stiff as a filing cabinet, and there was a little ring of white around her lip. She looked like she'd just been measured for a coffin. There was a twenty-five automatic sitting in her lap. I've been waiting for you, Mr. Rick. I asked the janitor to let me in. Yeah? He's very nice about it. I told him I was associated with one of your classes. Yes, I told him I was associated with Ryan O'Connor. Did you know that Prince Carol was my husband? Since when? Oh, a long time now, a long time. Not many people know that. Is that what you came here to tell me? No. I... I came to tell you that you don't have to worry anymore. That none of us have to worry anymore. You mean you're calling me off the case? That's it. That's exactly it. I'm calling you off the case. Well, I've already been called off. My office phoned me when I was over at her house. First, Nicole? Yeah. And it was about her? Yeah. Huh. Well, then, we don't have to worry anymore, do we? No. She's very pretty, isn't she? I've seen her many times. I think she's quite pretty. I, I could hardly blame the prince. I could hardly blame him at all. What are you getting at? Of course, all the others were pretty, too. Where'd you get that gun? bought it for $30. Let me see it, huh? Oh, yes. I brought it here so I could show it to you. I, 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 I paid $30 for it. I paid $30. I'd imagine the air would be cleaner in there, don't you? What are you talking about? I mean, it's really very humane, they come. It's just like sitting down and never waking up. I've read all about it. You just walk in and sit down, and if you don't try to hold your breath, you... You go to sleep, don't you? You've met murderers before, Mr. Regan. Do I make a good murderer? Do I make a good murderer? <laughs> stop it. Stop it, will you? Stop it. You 
trying to tell me you killed him? Oh, Miss Regan, that's why I came here. I shot him. I walked up behind you and I put the gun close to his back and pulled the trigger. It all makes such a great deal of noise, but it? I left him sitting there in his house by the sea and he looked very much alive. Only, only he isn't alive at all. Now answer me. Now answer me. Do I make a good murderer? Do I make a good <laughs> We're listening to the story of the House by the Sea, tonight's adventure with Jeff Regan, investigator. They're still available for qualified nurses. Yes, the Army Nurse Corps Reserve still has commissions available. If you are a graduate registered nurse between the ages of 21 and 45, you may be eligible for a commission in the Army Nurse Corps section of the regular officer's reserve. To find out if you do qualify for a commission in the Army Nurse Corps Reserve, apply to the Adjutant General, Washington, D.C. And now, back to the story of the House by the Sea and Jeff Regan, investigator. Well, after she got through, she settled down to a slow, even kind of a giggle that started somewhere around her shoelaces and didn't get past her knees. It was one of those things that gives you a feeling like somebody's standing in back of you with a red-hot iron ready to press your pants before you get them off. Now, she wasn't going to do any more talking, so I went downstairs and brought back a doctor friend of mine named Sammy Wing. He brought his little black bag with him and gave her a shot or something. And she wilted like last night's orchid and went to sleep on my couch. Sammy began talking. Some playmate. Wish I'd have been here for the party. I had four appendectomies and one broken leg today. Said I'll lie. How is she? You know her better than me. No, she's going to be all right. But she'll wake up in five or six hours and I want some water. And then what? She might ask you what happened or it might start all over again, whatever it was. By the way, what was it? Well, I found her here when I got home. I should find something like this. She said she killed an ex-client of mine. Oh, maybe I'm lucky at that. What does all the past tense mean? I was called off the case. Oh, nice. It's all clean. No clients to protect. Is there a corpse someplace? I don't know, Sammy. Call the police. they find out. And then you and me can go out and get a drink. She said she used this gun. Smell it, Sammy. It hasn't been fired. Safety catch is still on. She's pretty and she's nice, and I bet she looks like a million bucks in a bathing suit. But if I'd have met her within the last three hours, I'd have run for help. Call the police. Is that professional? This is acute hysteria. The kind that pops off guns and pops off people, and there's a lot of things they can't remember later on. Call the police. What about the gun? What a gun. Call the coroner while you're at it. Tell him to go out there with some DOA forms. He'll use them. Or you stay here with it till I get back? Corpse hunt? Just an idea. Hitler had an idea. The odds were against him. You got about as much chance as a three-legged horse in the Kentucky Derby. She's bit somebody, and she's told you about it. I want to make sure. What do they do when a private eye walks in and messes up a nice, clean murder? Sammy, will you stay? Had any bourbon around here? Yeah. Okay, take your time. Maybe both of us will get our pictures in the paper. I left him with a kind of a soft smile on his face, like he had some inside information on Tuesday's winner at Del Mar. 
Well, it was 9.30 by the time I got there, and it was dark enough to give a ghost the creeps. It was different, too. Maybe it was the fog. I used that ring of keys I'd taken from her purse. It smelled dry and funny inside, and it was real quiet, like somebody was waiting for the world to fall apart. I clicked on my flashlight, and I walked down the long hall to his office. He was there, just like she said. There were three holes in the front of his shirt, but it wasn't the laundry's fault. I spotted a thirty-eight on the floor by his hand. I broke it, and three cartridges came out. It was the right gun for the job. It was pretty messed up. While I was standing there trying to figure Velma Carmen's story, the light came on. A fat man wearing a sheriff's star was standing by the switch. There was a taller man in a brown overcoat next to him. They both looked like they'd just finished dinner. Scavenge your hot son? You don't talk, Charlie. Ain't much fun to say, is there, Cap? Guess not. Well, son? Well, it looks like you're going to be calling me names. What do you like best? Killer, murderer, or slayer? The papers use slayer a lot. I don't like any of them. And a breezy for a hot boy, ain't you? Mind giving me a name? It's Regan. I'm a private detective. It's Regan. He's a private detective, Cap. Yeah. Got a card or something with you, son? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. But international. Lion still there? Yeah. Who's that? An old bum I used to know. Regan, why do you go around killing people? The lion will be mad. Look, this is a fix. Now, why do you want to say a thing like that? Somebody tipped you. Phone call a little while ago. Huh? Funny kind of a voice, a whisper. Said we'd find a stiff up here, but didn't say we'd find you. You're extra. Look, I just came here to see what it was all about. Same thing we did. Only we come up with a suspect and a corpse. No cop could ask for anything better. Charlie, better call a coroner. Ocean Town, just a small place, Regan. Only me and Charlie around. We borrow from the county when we get something like this. I can find you a real answer in an hour. You let me and Charlie worry about that. You look good enough for the time being. All right, son. Let's go. <laughs> I had as much chance as an elephant in a tea room, and if those two locked me up and booked me. So I leaned back into his gun and spun around and knocked his wrist down. He pulled the trigger, and by that time I flicked the light switch and was out the door. I didn't run for my car. I cut across the driveway and doubled back up the hill. I could hear him yelling and shooting out in the dark. I hailed a cab about five blocks away, and he took me to the place above Malibu. I found her in a booth with a piano player. She was wearing one of those black strapless things, and it was worrying a couple of ball-headed guys sitting at the bar. You're late, Jeff. We said nine o'clock. I had three drinks all alone. You want me to get mad, or are you going to catch up? How long you been here? You sound like you're out of the mood. I thought we were going to look at the stars together. How long you been here? It's nine o'clock. What's the matter? I've been working tonight. Well, it's after hours now. Tell me how you like my new dress. It's the right color, but the wrong cut for a funeral. I haven't read the obituaries today. It'll be in tomorrow's paper, only it'll make the front page. Have a drink. Let's wait for tomorrow. Your friend was killed tonight. What friend? Kru. He was no friend of mine. I told you that. So did he. Car smash up, or did he fall off his house? 38. We didn't talk about him this afternoon. Let's not start now. Look, two cops in Ocean Town are kind of crowding me. They think I'm going to take a good picture. Is that why you're late? It's a murder rap, lady. We should have had dinner together. They'll be knocking down your door in the morning. Why, darling? Because you threatened to kill him, because he hired me to call you off. Oh, wait a moment, Jeff. You've been having fun up there now. Who told you that? What, did you think he sent me over today to sell magazines? I never found out you were called off. Suppose he hired you to scare me. 
Jeff, we're old friends now. I can tell you a family secret. I know about him blackmailing you. And that puts you ahead of me for the cops. Did you do it? I don't know. Did you? What he told you don't sound right. What does sound right? I went to him one day and put him in a trance. Only I used scotch. Found out what he was doing and how I was doing it, so I turned the tables. It was good, clean fun, but expensive for him. You've been draining him? I thought that's why you came today. That's why I had Timmy around. Well, some of this is beginning to make change. If he was your meal ticket, then you got an alibi. I don't feel like stars anymore, Jeff. Let's go over to my place and talk. On the way over, she didn't have much to say, and I couldn't think of anything. I was all too mixed up. If she'd really been shaking him down, then she figured out. And the girl back in my apartment figured in. Only she had the wrong gun. And then there was a little business that I'd have to explain with the Ocean Town cops. Well, when we turned in the driveway, I stopped figuring. Tim Rogers, the man with the guns, was there standing on the porch. Oh, gorgeous. I've been waiting to see you. You're home late. I thought I fired you. Still tramping with this tramp, huh? I thought you'd be sick of him by now. For once, I'm glad to see you, Tim boy. That sounds cozy, but I don't want to see you. I know where your 38 is. You're wrong. It's her 38. And it's got her prints on it. Jeff, he's making it look bad for me. Ask me. Ask him what he's doing here, will you? Just in for a showdown, Angel. You're tagged for his murder. They'll want you. I fixed it good. I can fix it so you can get away. How? A friend of mine shutting off at Pedro. Four o'clock. To go all over the world. Yes, if all of this is straight, I'm in a spot. Relax. This guy never did anything right. Tell me how I'm wrong. All right, that tip to the Ocean Town cops was wrong. Trying to pile up a scare on me was wrong. Killing Cairo was wrong. And this clinches it. Yeah? Well, that's where you're twisted, Pilgrim. I got a warrant out for you right now. Plugging a murder suspect is something they'll thank me for. You said her prints were on that gun. They'll find that out in the morning. And how was I to know? Just happened to hear on the radio they were looking for you tonight. I see you, I plug you. Everybody will be sorry, but it'll be manslaughter and suspended. I worked it once in Toledo. What do you say? Do I plug him and meet you somewhere in two weeks? Let me have a smoke. Let me think it over. Sure. Sure, go ahead. You're angel. The gun's empty now. I carried this for three years. I never used it. He deserved to die, didn't he? Didn't he, Regan, didn't he? I don't know, lady. You knew him better. Unwound like red thread in the Levi factory. Grace Nichols had been putting the shake on the prince. He got tired of it and called me in and told me his phony story so he'd have a good self-defense angle when he finally got around to shooting her some afternoon. He had Tim planted there to keep me from really seeing her. Oh, it was a nice idea, only I bounced Tim and got inside. Then Tim made a phone call and the lion jerked me before I had a chance to compare notes with her. I guess Tim went kind of crazy, seeing how well we got along together, and he figured Grace would do anything if she was wanted for murder. So, he killed the prince and made her the patsy with those fingerprints. She'd handled the gun before, see. But then I had my caller, Velma Carmen, the prince's wife. She went kind of crazy, too, when she walked in and found him dead. It took three doctors a couple of weeks to tell her what really happened. When I told it all to the lion, he was mad at first, but then he saw Grace Nichols' picture in the paper. He asked just one question. What was I doing at Grace's place all afternoon? I didn't even bother to answer him. 
with Wilms Herbert as Anthony J. Lyon. It's CBS same time next week for hard-boiled action and mystery with Jeff Regan, Investigator. Written by E. Jack Newman, produced by Sterling Tracy. The role of Grace Nichols was played by Betty Lou Gerson, David Ellis was Tim Rogers, Lorene Tottle was Velma Carmen, and Marvin Miller was Prince Carew. 29,000 nurses are needed to join the new Army Nurse Corps Officers Reserve. 4,000 of them, if they wish, may choose active duty. All nurses who receive reserve commissions will benefit from the opportunity for specialized training offered to them by the Army. The educational opportunities offered the nurse by the Army Medical Department will be of great advantage to her in her work. Don't wait. If you're a registered graduate nurse between the ages of 21 and 45, drop a card now for complete information to the Adjutant General, Washington, D.C. Original music for this program is by Dick Around. Jeff Regan, Investigator, is heard every Saturday at 9.30 over CBS. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. When it's October and the night has slipped down over Broadway, the street is spangled with autumn strollers. They come here, the seekers after something or other, pick a doorway with promising neon, pick a smile and run after it, pick a postcard, write home about it. It's the place to be. You've got to leave your mark. Buy a turtle and have your name painted on its back. Buy a necktie, buy a pillow and send it back to Mom. Sometimes you'll be lucky and get lipstick on your handkerchief. But the odds say you'll buy a newspaper and go to bed. But it's Broadway, kid, and you've had it. And where Broadway ebbs off into the side streets, downtown, where I was, close to where I was, close to where 18th Street touches the river, the shock was a thing composed of crowd and a nighttime sky lit by flame. The elements, later to be noted in police and fire department records, fire at Russell's Chemical Company. Time, 4.15 a.m. You're bringing somebody out now, Dan. That's uh, strange. What? What'd you say? I said it's strange, Mugovan. After four in the morning, why should anybody be... Come on, let's see. Put the stretchers down here. Somebody better... How are they? Huh? Oh, hello, Danny. These two, I think that's all that's in there. I just started to say, somebody better get a priest. They're both dead. This one is. The other one... Danny, look at him. Ed Coster. Huh? Do something for him. Don't let... Hey, Doc, Doc, over here. Ed Coster. Hurry up, Doc! You know him, Danny? Yeah, he's a policeman. A policeman? What was he doing in there? Doc, do something for him. The flames beating against the night sky, burning an opening for dawn. 
In the street, the reflected glow darts across the face of death, holds for an instant, then scurries at the breath of the October wind. This is the time of shadows, the brief time, the time for shrouding of the charred body of a man, the time for quick gentleness. The other man, still in anguish, and the lifting of the men of the vehicle reserved for the dead and the dying, the closing of a door upon them, the hushed ride that puts an end tonight. In the morning, at headquarters, watch the sergeant lift a phone, dial a number, and after a silence, ask for news of a man who was known to him, who was a friend. It's me again, Dr. Sinsky. About Ed Costa. Any change? Any? No. No, thank you, doctor. I'll keep calling. Gino. What do you want? Ed, how is he? You heard? No change. Hits us all, Gino. Costa's that kind of man. Ed's been to the Tartaglia house, dangled the Tartaglia child on his knee. He'll make it. Ed'll make it. Sorry, Danny. I, I keep thinking about Ed's wife, Vera. I, I keep thinking... You got something for me, Gino? Yeah. Yeah, I got something. I'm sorry, Danny. The man found with Ed, the dead man, technical checked up on him. In ways they got to check on such things. Fingerprints, maybe. They know who he is? We got a file on him this long, to my arm. Joe Gant, professional arsonist, a man who sets fires. This way he makes his daily bread, by burning. Anything else? It's on the record Gant was friends to Frankie Crown. Oh? How were they friends? Gant once lit a playful little bonfire in a machine shop concern. Frankie Crown bailed him out, treated him to Frankie's lawyer. Gant got off. Let's see Frankie get out of this one. I hear Frankie's a big man now. Not that big. I want to talk to him. Yeah, but maybe you better listen to this other thing first, Danny. What? Was called in a few minutes ago. The automobile of one George Russell exploded, blew up in the face of his daughter Patrice in the driveway with a booby trap. Russell? Of the Russell Chemical Company, where the fire was. Home address, uptown, 1923 East 112. Thanks, Gino. Dr. Sinsky, me again. About Ed, any change? Any? No. I'll call again in a little while. Yes? Mr. Russell? Yes, what is it? My name's Clover, police. Well, morning long, you police. Mind if I come in? I suppose you may. In here. This is my daughter, Patrice. Clover, another policeman. Hi. How do you feel, Miss Russell? Oh, got my pinching hand in the cast. Oh, the disadvantage of it all. <laughs> Wait till Jimmy sees it. Patrice. It was your fault, Daddy. Wasn't it his fault, Mr. Clover? I understand your car blew up this morning. Well, not mine, his. Dad. What happened? Her car is in the garage being repaired. I loaned her mine. You see how it's his fault, Mr. Clover? He spoils me. I only wheedled him for the car this much. This much, and he patted me and said, Yes, my darling, do I? You stepped on the starter and it... And it blew. The way things do, bang, like that, bang. He's a lucky girl. Fortunate me. 
hand in a sling, gauze on my cheek, and plaster dappled. <laughs> Poor Jimmy. Your car booby-trapped, Mr. Russell. Your plant set fire to by an arsonist. An arsonist? That's right. The man who died had a record of arson. What's happening? I don't understand. Oh, Pop. Hey, Pop. How's business, Pop? Patrice, you'd better... Do what, Pop? My business is fine, Mr. Cole. You've got any idea I had my Pop place. Pop carries very... a lot of insurance. Cut it out, Patrice. Look, Mr. Cloak. What? Don't pay any attention to me. I know you police have to think along certain lines. If it was arson, what happened to my plant, you got to think maybe I was the cause of it. Look for reason. Well, I netted 70000 last year, and this year it's better than ever. To coin a phrase. What am I going to do with you, Patrice? I'm a mess, Daddy. Mr. Russell, there's some connection between the arsonist who was found and a hoodlum named Frankie Crown. Do you know Frankie? Frankie Crown? A hoodlum? Why should I? Look, Mr. Clark, I didn't ask you into my house to listen. I just asked. That's all he did, Pop. I don't know him. Never heard of him. All right. It's fun, huh, Mr. Clark? Hoodlums, arson, booby traps. The nice things that can happen to a modern nurse. Brother, where did Jimmy hear? The night's the night he won't be able to shut me up. And consider the girl for a moment. Consider the delight she had found in the touch of horror upon her. Then the intrusion of her father's face, stricken with a sudden fleeting understanding of the girl. Then turning to you, trying to smile, trying to erase the impression his child has made. She's suffering a shock she doesn't understand, Mr. She doesn't know why. And the girl looks up, laughs at him. <laughs> and leave them like that. <laughs> then to the discreet office of Frankie Crown in a discreet downtown building dedicated to the deep understanding of stocks and bonds and the affairs of commerce. The shiny new setting for Frankie Crown, hoodlum, alley boy, friend of dead arsonists. And Frankie holds out a discreetly manicured hand to have it shaken. Only it doesn't happen to you. Hmm? Have it your own way, Danny. I thought it would spark something between us if he shook my hand. You're a long way from home, Frankie. Blessed. That's me. I've been blessed. Wipe your hands of the old life and a new world shivers on the horizon waiting just for you. <laughs> you ought to try it, Danny. Been to any good fires lately, Frankie? Oh, busy, busy, busy. Frankie Crown has been so busy you couldn't conceive. No fires, no street dances, no fun anywhere. The penalties of the new life. Friend of yours was at a fire, though. <laughs> I got crazy, Frank. They flip over the craziest things. Joe Gant, arsonist. Friend of yours, Frankie. Somewhere in the back of my brain, the name Gant shivers. Help me, Dan. The consensus is he set a fire early yesterday morning at the Russell Chemical Company. He died in it. Yeah. You bailed him out once, favored him with your private lawyer, got him off. Joe Gant. I did all that? You got a memory course at headquarters, Frankie. You just signed up. Don't get hard, Danny. I'm so cheap. I always said about Come you on. The touch of your hand brought it back to me. Gant. <laughs> Somewhere he's got a mother. I know because she came for me that time, cried on my sleeve. Please help Joe. He's a good boy, she thought. Made my eyes water how with my dough and lawyer, Joe Gant, is going to reform. So he gave in. I break up at a mother's tears. 
Maybe she'll cry something for me. You going looking for her? No, don't bother, Jim. I bought her a place in her old country. She impressed me so much as a typical mother. You close all the doors behind you, don't you, Frankie? A mark of a polite man to close them. How about the one on George Russell? It come over the tape. The Russell plant burned to the ground. This morning, his car blew up in his daughter's lap. Now, there's a door. It's never been open for me, Danny. The Russell guy. I'm blasting. Absolutely blasting. Get out of there. Back to headquarters. Sit at your desk and shuffle your thoughts. The coincidence of a booby-trapped car and a fire. The link between a hoodlum, newly respectable, and an arsonist, newly dead. And another man, a businessman, who had a daughter. Try to find a category for her. Try to find... Danny Clover. Dr. Sinsky, I'm calling from the hospital. How's Ed Coster? Get down here, Danny, right away. And go there. And the only sound in the corridor is your footsteps. A sound that hurries toward pain. Open a door and find it. Doctor. He's dead, Danny. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. In days of old, when knights were bold, King Arthur and his round table were the rage. History's not exactly repeating itself, but the best entertainment of Arthur Godfrey's weekday shows is every Sunday afternoon on King Arthur Godfrey's Roundtable. Listen for it starting tomorrow afternoon on most of these same stations. King Arthur Godfrey's Roundtable on CBS Radio. The October wind shrills through Broadway's corridors. Sets in motion the light bulbs dangling from twisted, frayed cords, grates the new autumn soot against scarred window panes. And Broadway walks faster now. The wind that slept in the summer warmed rivers awake now and sirens the coming of the cold days, the gray days, the days sodden with autumn's mists. And the corridor people, the doorway people, try to hold back, clutch once more at the sunlit visions that never happened. But the October wind shrieks it out of their hands, pushes it into a corner with the rest of the debris. That's how autumn happens to Broadway, kid. Go fight it. And autumn has other sounds. The lingering overtones that float in from a hospital corridor. A woman's call to a dead husband and... Dear, dear, let me give you something. Let me give... Don't, don't talk just for a minute. Don't talk to me. Vera. It's all right now, Daddy. Empty. Nothing. There's no more crying left in me. I'll get you something, Vera. Something it says on the bottle that makes you feel better. I told you, Doctor. There's nothing I want. <laughs> 
Nothing I need from anyone. Ed was a fine man, dear. We... You'll miss him? Me, Danny? You, Dr. Sinsky? All of you? Vera. They say death comes when... They say bitterness won't help. They're dead wrong. It helps. I'll take you home, Vera. Then when you... Some other time we'll talk... About Ed? Yes. What's wrong with now, Danny? You can talk to me about Ed now. We never held secrets from each other. I couldn't understand something. What was there about Ed Coster you couldn't understand? Only how he happened to be at the scene of the fire. How he must have been there even before... He was cold, Danny. An anonymous call. It told him a fire was being set at that chemical company. It even told him what time to get there. Did he have the call traced? It came from a public phone booth. Ed was new on the burglary squad. He was glad for the tip. He thought it would make for a good start on the burglary detail. He thought maybe... He'd been maybe on the it... narcotics squad before that, put in for a transfer. You know why, Vera? Because I asked him to. Because I didn't like the idea of his being on the narcotics squad. It didn't fit Ed. Ed was fine. A good man. He gave me all his love. All his And listen to her until the time comes when your only answer is silence. And not silence quite, because the screaming questions intrude themselves. What is the word to give to a woman whose husband is dead? How do you fill in reports? How do you make a statistic out of it and file it in a ledger? How do you write heartbreak as a number? You don't know how. So you turn your back on it. Leave. And to headquarters again. Call in Detective Muggerman. Tell him to get out the record of Ed Coster. And wait. And a while later, a door opens and Detective Muggerman walks in. I got it, Danny. Okay, put it down. Aren't you going to look at it? What's the matter, Muggerman? You're restless? I'll look at it. I know you will, but I think you ought to look at it right away. Look, Muggerman, you... All right, then I'll show you. Hey, see it? Here. This arrest, June 12th, this year. Patrice Russell. Uh-huh. Ed arrested her for the possession of narcotics. Now you know why I wanted you... Take it, Muggerman. Lieutenant Clover's office. Muggerman speak. What? Bad? Oh, sure. Sure, right away. Danny. Huh? A bomb was thrown into the home of George Russell. When? A few minutes ago into the living room. Fire department... Let's go. <laughs> in the house, Danny. I checked with the boys in the fire department. You looked yourself? Yeah, Danny, I did. There's no one else in the house. Just him, you and me. You ask about his daughter? woman in the crowd outside told me she saw her go out a couple of hours ago. Described her wearing apparel right up to her hat. The woman in the crowd leans out her window and notices things like that about her neighbors. You make a note of what the girl was wearing? It happens to me like a reflex. They tried to kill Russell once before. This time they made it. Can't we go into another room and talk, Danny? The way it hit him. It... In a minute. He must have been sitting at this window. The force of the explosion threw him... Yeah, like that. They sure wanted him dead, didn't they? 
Then routine. Put it on the teletype for all the precincts. Have men go to places where a girl like Patrice Russell might be. Wait. Patrice Russell is at none of these places. Then an all-points bulletin. Find Patrice Russell. And more routine. Out of your office, down two flights of steps, down a corridor, open a door. And for all that effort, a man named Gordon greets you. Close the door, Lieutenant. Thank you very much, Lieutenant. Don't you ever open a window in here, Gordon? For fresh air? You need fresh air, Lieutenant? Oh, poor you. Down here in technical, you're hermetically sealed. Take a whiff, Lieutenant. Hermetic, hmm? About the fire at the Russell Chemical Company. I've been sitting here for two hours watching the door, waiting for you to scrape in here, Lieutenant. You need Gordon again, don't you? Look, Gordon... Don't raise your voice, Lieutenant. I'm a civilian technician. I don't have to bow my head and shuffle my feet when you talk to me. Next time you walk in here, say to yourself, don't raise your voice to Gordon. What about the report? Nicely phrased. In case the three-syllable type words make you scratch your head in utter dismay, I'd better tell you. The fire was not only set by an arsonist, but there was an explosion. Explosive neatly placed to explode at a comparatively low heat. It was a... Danny, I got a morsel for you. You? Close the door. Close it yourself. Let's get out of here, Gino. I said... I heard what you said. Come on, Gino. What have you got? Patrice Russell. Detective Fuller spotted her in the village. She climbed the stair and went to a party at 1212 Bank Street, where she is at this moment. Thanks, Gino. Where's Patrice Russell? Thanks. Patrice. Cut in, Danny. Cut in. Come on, dance with me. Come to me, Danny. Come to me. Come on, we're getting out of here, Patrice. Cut in. Where will we go? Just away from here. I've got to talk to you. My car's outside. I know a lovely place to talk. Outside in the halls, far enough. Halls are trapped. Come on. Or you'll bruise me. All right, come on. Let's go out in the hall. Here? Here. For what? Your father's dead. Kidding? No, you're not, are you? How? Someone tossed a bomb in your living room. Poor dad. Who did it, Patrice? Honest, I I don't know. I loved him, you know. I, I really did. He loved you. I know. I know he did. Patrice. I, I wasn't very nice to him, Daddy. You know something? Every morning I, I'd wake up and say to myself, this is a day that I'm not going to hurt Daddy. And it never worked out. I want to ask you something, Patrice. Because I never tried. Around breakfast time, I'd think of something to do, and, and during the day I'd find out a way to do it. What about the narcotics? The narcotics. Oh, no more, Danny. 
I promised him that. And I kept my promise. I took the cure and it worked. I haven't touched it since. Not since that detective picked me up for it. His name is Ed Costa, Patrice. He died because of that fire at your father's place. I'm sorry. Listen, Danny, about the narcotics. I want you to know it's all over. It lost me everything. I had a boy. We were going to get married. He was gone. You know what I do now? I go to parties. Like this. Goodbye, Danny. And leave her. And leave Greenwich Village. Ride uptown to the one stop you had to make. The final stop. In front of a canopied entrance to a graystone apartment house. Have your badge sniffed at, then be told the man you're looking for is a penthouse dweller. Find the elevator. Press a button because the man you want is 30 floors away. Get there. The man you want is waiting for you as you step out. Hey, come on in, Danny. Thanks. Yeah, like Frankie's new house, Danny? Classy. <laughs> Wait till I show you outside. We got the city for an on. Come on, show you. All right. My Manhattan Tower, Danny. I'm happy for you. You uh, figure on renting a place like this? That's why you come to look? Uh-uh. And a what? I want to take you away from all this, Frankie. <laughs> Too much sweat got me here, Danny. It isn't going to be easy. Not hard. Just a walk to the elevator and a ride downtown. Uh-uh. There were times when that could happen to Frankie no more. It's going to happen. It's got murder in it. What are you talking about? George Russell. What about him? Dead. Had a bomb pitched through his living room window. Rumors said you used to do things like that, Frankie. Uh-uh. Rubber balls through tenement windows. When I was a kid, I'd give it up. No future. It all gets back to Joe Gant, Frankie. Come on, Danny. You're in a classy place. Make classy conversation. What about Joe Gant? The connection between you and who? Finish the visit, Danny. I got a date. It'll wait. Maybe I can still catch it, Danny. Maybe she's got a friend. You want me to try? Don't bother. Well, then finish your visit. Sure. Started way back in June. What did, Danny? Come on, come on. When Patrice Russell was picked up on a narcotics charge. George Russell, Patrice Russell. What is it with all these Russells? George Russell must have pleaded with the officer not to press charges against his daughter, Patrice. He didn't make it. The charge nearly wrecked his daughter. All right. What's this got to do with me? The arresting officer's name was Ed Coster. Russell was going to get back at him. Danny. And he found a way to do it. Somehow he found out Coster was transferred from narcotics to burglary. That was his chance. <laughs> That's my date, Danny. I don't like to keep a lady waiting. Tough. See? She's impatient. Tough. I'm telling a story. Russell came to you. He said he wanted a fire set in his place for whatever reason he gave you, for whatever amount he gave you. Look, Danny. You better forget it. So you arranged it, sent Joe Gant. Joe set the fire all right, but he was followed by Officer Ed Coster. Because Ed got a phone call telling him where a burglar would be at what time. All right, so they both burned. Why should that keep me from a date? The phone call to Ed came from Russell. Russell rigged the place to blow up when the fire started. It blew all right. Gant was killed. Ed died. And I wipe a tear with the back of my hand. You couldn't let Russell get away with that. One of your boys was killed. Bad for your reputation. You evened it. The bomb in the car didn't work, but the bomb in the living room did. Danny. You can say goodbye to her on your way, Frankie. I asked you, Danny. You didn't agree. Kill you. Put down that gun. Yeah. 
You're not going to get to say goodbye to her, Frankie. She went away. Broadway's wearing its harlequin clothes. It winks an eye and beckons. And in the press of crowd there, the pale girl walks like a queen because Broadway's a dream street. And there, that man with begging eyes, hungry for a new dream. It's a laugh or a cry. There's nothing in between. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, with Charles Calvert as Tortaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Anthony Barrett was heard as Frankie Crown. Featured in the cast were Michael Ann Barrett, Paula Winslow, Herb Butterfield, and Ed Max. My friend Irma is everybody's friend Irma. There's something downright appealing in that gal's goofy mentality... And every Sunday evening, Marie Wilson stars as the world's most adorable dumbbell, my friend Irma. Kathy Lewis is her level-headed roommate on most of these stations Sunday nights. Enjoy CBS Radio's My Friend Irma. Bill Anders speaking. And remember, the Frankie Lane Show is your date for slick syncopation every Sunday afternoon on the CBS Radio Network.